Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Tyne Warp. I'm your host, Harry Roy, and this week I'm joined by Alex Wood. We'll get into the tune chat and looking back at the victory against Wolves last week shortly, but Alex, I do want to get your thoughts on a dramatic managerial sacking concerning one of the teams fighting relegation, and that is Burnley. They've sacked Sean Dyche eight games before the end of the season. Question is, does this ever work? Because I think everyone's in agreement now that Burnley are indefinitely going down. It does work with other clubs. Like, so, for example, last season with West Bromwich Albion, the Sex Island Village, and then brought in Big Sam, and it worked. They got they got a kick up the backside and got some results. The more notable one being against Chelsea last season, that was an absolutely emphatic result for them, and arguably one of Big Sam's best of his entire career. But they still went down. Um, Big Sam is known as the saviour of everything um, and didn't save them. But normally a new manager bounce does work and then um, we'll make that. But only for clubs where players are playing worse than they currently are. Now Burnley is not that club. You get any manager in there and they will not be able to make half of the players that Burnley play better Charlie Taylor. Who's heard of Charlie Taylor before this season? He's quite good a few years ago. <laughs> unbelievable, and he's been unbelievable this season. He's been brilliant. Sean Dyche deserves a whale of a credit. He managed to make Phil Bardsley still a Premier League footballer. Yeah. No one else would manage that in the slightest. Sean Dyche deserves a hell of a lot of credit for them. Um, but no, in Burnley's case, it's not going to work. They are going to go down. 
And I feel so sorry for Sean Dyche because every journalist that ever has met him, um, myself included, will say he is the nicest guy in football. He is unbelievable. And I can't tell you the, the details of the talk that we had because it was all completely off the record. But the stories that man has is absolutely unbelievable. And his knowledge as well. His footballing knowledge is absolutely right up there. And that's not what somebody talk about when they talk about Sean Dyche. They talk about the 4-4-2, the gravel voice and the annoying press conferences that he has. But he is one of the hardest working managers in, in football, I personally think. Yeah, I can vouch for that. I mean, Dyche has done, a, has done an excellent job, to be fair. I mean, longest serving Premier League manager. I think he's in the job for, for over nine years, which just tells you alone the, the, the job he's done at, at the club. And I mean, you look at their sides, and on paper, I would say obviously their full strength team, I think, can hold the tone in the Premier League, but with a few injuries, there's so many holes you can poke in that team. And like you said, like Sir Phil Bardsley still getting a game in the Premier League, it just shows the, the job he, he's done. But there's a reason why Sean Dyche played that sort of football with Burnley. It's because he knows the remit of his squad. So if they go and get a manager that wants to play expansive football, I think they're going to learn the hard way, to be honest. It just makes no sense for me. It's, it's the worst time to sack a manager because, I mean, eight games before the end of the season. Yes, they've got some games. They, they may be able to pick up points, but... It's going to take a while for them players as well to like come out of Dyche mode. I mean, they, they don't know any different, a lot of the players who've been there. So if you go and get a manager that, that wants to play a completely different style of football, it, it makes no sense. Now, if they went for someone like Sam Allardyce, even that doesn't make sense because you're you're still achieving the same thing that, that Dyche did. And to be fair, I don't think he'll do a, a job as good. So that brings me on to the question, who do you think comes in? I cannot find a manager currently that would look good at Burnley and go, yes, have him, yes, have him. Now, maybe the new owners already have somebody lined up and somebody they want, but personally, there's no one in in English football that would do that and be able to do a better job than Sean Dyche. There Allardyce must have been do, something. Um, could do a better job? I mean, there's definitely an argument there to be had about Allardyce because, I mean, his track record other than West Brom, I mean, they were cut adrift by the time he came in. is is pretty good when it comes to keeping teams in the league. If he can maybe just tweak something and, you know, it's the same style of play at Dyke, so the players wouldn't be affected that much. If he can bring in some new ideas, maybe that could work. I, uh, Sam Allardyce would be there, but for Sam Allardyce, um, Burnley's owners are going to have to do something they've never done when they've been in the Premier League or in the Championship or on anyone's radar. They're going to have to spend money. Well, they've got 30 Sam million off Chris Wood, haven't they? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> well, this is it. But Sam Allardyce is not cheap now. He knows what... He's got his own remit. He knows he's the survival king. So to get Sam Allardyce in, you're looking at £5 million. I doubt it, to be honest. I mean, he's, he's probably living in the area, to be fair, because I think he's, you know, he's from the Lancashire area. It's the one that makes the most sense, but... Whether he'd even want it, to be fair. I mean, eight games before the end of the season, yes, they've got a chance of staying up, but it's a, it's a big job for whoever takes it. I mean, they've 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 put Ben Mee, the, the, the club's captain in charge, I think, for, for their next game, which reminds me quite a lot of a move that um, Newcastle under Ashley would do. Remember when Efford Brick 2 Colicini was favourite to be manager? <laughs> he was favourite to be manager for a few weeks. So no, I, I don't envy Burnley, to be fair. I think it's a, it, it's a mad decision sacking him, but if it pays off... It's a £100 million gamble that they've won. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But from the outside looking in, I think everyone's under the consensus here that Burnley have essentially just relegated themselves. Where does he get a new job? Sorry to uh, interrupt you before you move on. Where does Where's Sean Dice's next job? 
it'll be a bottom half Premier League side that sacked the manager before Christmas. I think he's never going to be short of options, is he? But like I heard Simon Jordan talking today um, afterwards, and you know where I'm going with this already. It's Simon Jordan, um, and he was saying that um, Sean Dyche is probably going to have a similar remit to Eddie Howe. Um, now, obviously, as no. as we know as Newcastle United um, fans and covering the team as we do, um, Eddie Howe has been out of the game for two years um, and then definitely come back in with a stroke of luck because of Newcastle. Um, is Sean Dyche going to face that same fate? Or if Ralph Hasenhutl leaves, is, is he going to be able to go to Southampton? Because that would be a good little fit. Uh, or is he going to have to dip into the Championship and bring a team back up like he did with Burnley? I mean, to be fair with Eddie Howe, I mean, he wasn't short of options, was he? I mean, he just chose to take a break from management. I mean, we've learnt a lot of things that he'd done off the pitch in terms of, you know, going to watch Atletico Madrid train, taking tips from Diego Simeone. I think he'd, he'd been in many Liverpool games. He's good friends with, with Michael Edwards, who's, you know, leaving the club at the end of the season. So I think Howe spent a couple of years essentially just making himself a better manager, to be fair. He wasn't short of options. He could have went to Celtic in the summer, got cold feet, it didn't happen. He was linked with Premier League jobs, you know, well, you know, throughout his his time off of management. I think he just waited for the right opportunity, and he certainly got it at Newcastle. I think with, with Daesh, he's in a good position now. I mean, he can he can have a rest, he can enjoy the summer, and he knows the Premier League clubs are either going to come calling in the summer or they're going to come calling midway through the season. I, I, unless he's desperate to get back into management, I don't think he'll have to go and manage a club in the Championship. He may as well just stick it out and. You know, he's had a long run at Burnley and, and have a go at, you know, there's going to be plenty of teams that are going to want him midway through the season. You know, managers get sacked, it's football. So I don't think Dyer should be short of options to answer your question. Should we move on and talk about Newcastle? Because we spent 10 minutes talking about Burnley. I'm sure Johnny, our editor-in-chief, will be delighted with that. But we are going to move on to Newcastle. And they've, they've won, you know, they've ended the, the, the run of three games without a win with a fantastic victory against Wolves. And... My, my first question is, was that our most impressive win under Eddie Howe? Because when you look at the quality of opposition, it certainly is. You see, now, when you sent me the list of things that we're going to talk about before the podcast, and um, that was on the list of, is this the most impressive win under Eddie Howe? I still say no, um, but I can see where you're coming from. Okay. Um, obviously, because Newcastle are a much weakened side um, than We've had previously, we, we haven't got Trippier. Um, there obviously isn't Callum Wilson. There's not a lot of our, our star players. But for me, our most impressive win is Aston Villa. Okay. I mean, maybe one Leeds against as Villa. well, just to kind of stop that Le- run. Yeah, Le- Leeds as well is, is one of them. But I would I personally think it's the Aston Villa one because that was, that was proper gritty. That was, a, that was an awful game of football that we came out of on top. Wolves... There were some stellar moments, but we we had plenty of chances in this game. Yeah, we had a number of Could chances. Have been way to... more than one nil, couldn't it? Exactly, and they had a couple of chances. Fair fair play to them. I, I think of the Fabio Silva header where he just absolutely blazed it wide, and probably should have at least if it hits the target, it's in. Um, and we would be sat here talking about another one all between Newcastle and Wolves, but um, no, it, it was it was a good game of football. And yes, I can see why you would say it's. How's most impressive win because we had to work for it and we had to work hard for it. Yeah, I think we caught Wolves pretty cold as well. To be fair, I mean they they were nowhere near their, their best. I mean I was sat in the press box and I could 
visibly see Bruno Lai, who's incredibly animated on the touchline. He wasn't happy with the performance. He, he did say after the game, you know, we deserve to win the match. Uh, but I think, you know, they had no Jimenez, no Neves, and that, that really played in our hands, even without Dendonka in the middle of the park as well. But, you know, you can't take any credit away from Newcastle. I mean, you know, Wolves are a good side. They don't concede many goals, albeit they don't score many. But there's a reason why they're fighting for European football this season, and it's because they're a bloody good side. So I think there's a lot of credit in the bank for that, and especially after, you know, three defeats in a row, some disappointing performances, especially that really, really bad loss against Spurs, you know, t- to come back a week later and, and get a really, really impressive win over a side pushing for Europe. I think it's a, it's a fantastic, you know, feat. Uh, Chris Wood as well. Uh, was that the turning point for him? I really hope it is because he's had a tough, he's had a tough time, hasn't he? You know, up front, you know, it's, it's been a difficult, difficult transition for him. But you know, he got a goal in the first half. It was you know ruled out for for an offside, and then you know when the penalty came, I think a lot of Newcastle fans thought, oh, he's going to miss here. But fair play to him, he took the ball under his arm and, and slammed the ball into the back of the net, and yeah, happy for him, aren't we? The main thing that everybody always says about uh, about Chris Wood is that he just can't score. And, and that's been so evident uh, here because he's been doing everything so well yeah. um, under a Newcastle United shirt. And even, excuse me, before that, he was when he was in a Burnley shirt, he was doing that. Um, the start of the pod so far, most average duels won in a single game of football this, this season. First is Chris Wood with 5.3. Second is Chris Wood with 3.3. The 5.3 is in a Newcastle shirt. The three point three is in a Burnley shirt. Yeah, like I, I, you cannot defy what he brings to the side. He brings in other players so well that are so creative and can really create chances. And you saw that when the offside goal was there, and he was so unlucky about that because what a move that, that was, was between Bruno and Mendy. It was beautiful football by Bruno Gomeres and. That was obviously another showcase game, um, and a, that yourself and um, the other contributor Dan, who's obviously not here today, um, were both absolutely in awe of Bruno um, when we played Wolves because just seeing him live is completely different than seeing him on telly. Yeah, I mean Wood was brilliant, but the star of the show was Bruno. I mean, I've not seen a, a midfield player dominate a match like that against a very very good midfielder. I mean, Jean Moutinho is still a top 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 midfielder. He made him look bang average. It's the best since Johan Kabay I've seen for a performance like that. I mean, he didn't put a foot wrong all night, to be fair to him. All he was missing was a goal for a, for a 10 out of 10 performance. I mean, it's stats from the game. 67 touches, 37 of 41 passes completed. He won 12 of his 17 duels. He won possession back seven times. He won four tackles. He created one chance. Obviously, you know, he basically got an assist for, for the first goal. Obviously, it was ruled out. Two dribbles. He was just absolutely phenomenal, and 35 million looks a snip because the boy's world class, and it's just so refreshing to see a footballer like this play for Newcastle United. Bruno Gumarayes plays for Newcastle. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's ridiculous, and um, if if we get our way, it won't. We won't just be saying Bruno Gumarayes plays for um, uh, Newcastle United. Um, now after midweek and Leon's. Exit on the Europa League to West Ham, um, emphatically as well last night. Yeah, well done. Um, let's go get, let's go get his best mate. Let's go get Paquetta. He was on the bench last let's night. Go, it was let's the go get him. And I put that game on last night. I was like, I'm going to watch Paquetta here play. And he was on the bench. Probably the reason why why they lost, to be honest. But 
I think we can, you know, we'll, I'm going to go off a little bit of a tangent here regarding transfer budgets because there's been a lot of talk about this. And Luke Edwards was the first to come out and say there's going to be a budget of around 60 million for the summer. Obviously, player sales on top will will make that, you know, go bigger. But Eddie Howe even came out in his press conference today and said it's not going to be the transition that everybody expects. Now, the question is, are Newcastle deliberately doing this on purpose to kind of just, you know, lower the fans' expectations before the summer? Or are they doing this as a sign to other Premier League clubs that they aren't going to be messed around and not to expect a £200 million spend? Because I think the correct answer is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, of course. And we saw that from January. Um, at the first transfer window, everybody expected Newcastle to come out the blocks and spend ridiculous amounts of money and um, like pay £60 million for Diego Carlos and pay 55 for Sven Botman and give them obscene wages and give Kieran Trippier obscene wages. And we didn't. We did tidy business. If if Newcastle had done that that transfer window under Mike Ashley, everybody would have gone, wow, how did they do that? Yep. Like, what are Newcastle fans mourning about? But no, because we're the richest club on the planet. I have to say it. You've got to get it in are. there, mate. Yeah, I've got to get it in there. Um, everybody's expecting us to go out and be PSG. We're not PSG. We're Newcastle. We're, we're probably really going to finish 13th this season. Like, what? What Do you want us to go out and spend 100 million and then challenge for top six? No Newcastle fan wants that either. We want a slow, steady transition of the club where we can build up, build up, build up and then in five years we'll, we'll be on Liverpool, Man City Man United heels and we'll be going right yeah you remember us? Yeah we're coming for you. Yeah I think like I said I think the, the correct answer is somewhere in the middle. I don't think we'll spend 50 million in the summer look I, I do think it'll be over over 100 million pounds. I mean I, I've got no inside information I don't know that's just an honest guess because I, I still think we need five or six players in the summer, to if we want to push, you know, towards you know Conference League that sort of thing, even breaking into the top ten nowadays, because I was sat the other night just thinking, look, it's probably going to be the strongest Premier League ever next season with, you know, Aston Villa are an ambitious club. They're going to look to you know push for Europe next season. You've got Wolves, you've got Leicester, you've got West Ham. So even getting in the top ten is going to be a tough feat next season. I think look, Newcastle fans will be very very happy with a top ten finish next season and a decent cup run. Like that's all we what we all want. But if they do have, you know, inside hopes of pushing for that top seven, they're going to have to spend a lot more than, than 60 to 70 million pounds. But it, it takes us on uh, quite nicely to, to Sunday's game. And we've got Leicester, a team, like I've just mentioned there, are going to be fighting for top 10 and are in a semi-final of a European competition. They're doing very, very well last night against PSV. But my question is, will that have took quite a lot out of them ahead of... Sunday's match because I was watching it hoping it would go to extra time just so it ties the legs out a little more but that was a massive game for them and obviously they've come through it so you can look from the other side and go oh big confidence booster for them coming into Sunday because they were excellent in the second half but the other side of me thinks that took a lot out of them last night and you know we haven't had a game in midweek have we no of course not but um, as Eddie Howe said in his press conference today like they had a European game, but they've, they've had them all season long. And afterwards, it's not really affected them so much. The Thursday-Sunday um, like kind of curse hasn't affected Leicester this season too much. Um, what's affected Leicester this season is injuries. And are they injured this this weekend? No, they're pretty kind of fit. The only player really that you would say, oh my God, they're missing him. And thank God they're missing him is Jimmy Vardy. Mm-hmm. And... The fact that they're still managing to score the odd goal, they're not they're not free scoring, high scoring Leicester like they used to be. But um, oh, Harvey Barnes as well hasn't been really hitting it off as, uh, as he used to earlier on in the season. But 
the man that's starting to find form towards the end of the season and looking towards Qatar is James Madison. And mm-hmm. that's the worrying side because every single time we have a, a tricky number 10 that can pull everything apart, they bloody do. They absolutely expose us and really, really make us look bang average. Yeah, he always has a good game against us, Madison, to be fair. I always remember that game. I think it was 2020, just before COVID. It was New Year's Day. They beat us 3-0 at St. James Park. And I remember watching Madison in the warm-up. And he was just smashing the top corner every single time. I was like, this lad's going to score. And he ended up banging an absolute screamer. But Madison's gone under the radar this season in terms of, of England. And look, he's going to probably have a massive game on Sunday, to be fair to them. But I think even Leicester being ninth this season with the injuries they've had, it's pretty incredible, to be honest. I mean, look, they've got three games in hand on Wolves. If they win all them, they'll actually leapfrog them. So, I mean, Leicester, they, they've arguably, they've got nothing to play for as well. You know, they're looking, you know, that, that Conference League semi-final and final, if they do get there, that's their season, isn't it? Because if they win that, you know, they're, they're going to be in the Europa League next season. If not, you know, it's it's going to be a season without European football. Would a win here for Newcastle guarantee us 100% survival? Because I think we're safe now, to be honest. I, I don't think Burnley or Everton get the 34 points, but I would like another win. <laughs> yeah, of course. I, um, a win's a win, but um, got to look ahead. We've still got Norwich to play. So even yeah. if we get beat, uh, beat, beat off these, we've got Norwich and Burnley. Like, yeah, got Palace in midweek I, as well, to be fair. Palace in midweek as well. Like, the, the next few games are gettable. This is a difficult game. Um, we never really do well against Leicester. Um, I, I hope uh, this complete sidetrack. I hope we say Ayose Perez because he's he's not really kicked on at Leicester at all, um, no. and it's really really been been sad. But I hope we see him a, a little bit on on Sunday because it would just be nice for him personally. And I know Brendan Rodgers really rates him. Um, but yes, no. To go back to your original point, I think we're already safe because I don't see Burnley now escaping it um i think everton and all frank lampard and everton are looking at their backs rubbing their hands together going phew that was that was easy um but i yeah no newcastle is safe um and it's because of our impressive january it'd be nice to uh, finish the season strong um but realistically we we could be on the beach um in the sands of saudi arabia and no one would bat an eyelid i don't think we'll let up i don't think the fans will let the players let up, but certainly said James's part. I mean, we've got, I think we're one of the four home games left before the end of the season. And look, I still think Newcastle can finish as high as tenth. I don't think we'll get there, but it's wide open, right from Crystal Palace, you know, all the way down to Leeds, really in sixteenth. I think Newcastle are going to finish somewhere between tenth and sixteenth. My, my prediction would probably thirteenth, probably thirteenth, twelfth, something like that. But obviously, you get an extra two and a half million quid the higher you finish up the table. So. You know, in terms of Newcastle and their summer budget, they're, they're going to want to finish as, as high as as possible. And and yeah, like you said about Iose Perez, he actually got a really, really good assist last night for Madison's goal. And it was, it was the flashes of brilliance that we saw at Newcastle. Will he start on Sunday? That's the big question. Maybe. I'd, I'd like to see him start, to be honest, because I don't really have any ill feeling towards Perez, other than when he scored it. You know, up here a few years ago, he did like do that celebration in front of Gallagher, which I thought was a, a a tad disrespectful. But he did take a lot of rubbish from our fans, didn't he? Yeah, he got he got so much stick from Newcastle fans, unjustly. Like Ayaza Perez was mint, and it, I really liked Ayaza. Um, and I, I'm with you. I've got no ill feelings towards him um, whatsoever. No, I, I just think I would really be interested to see his reception. Um, if he started, I think. Newcastle fans would applaud him and I think Some that would, would be really be. nice 
I think uh, I think probably. some would boo, but that, that's just football, though. Do you know what I mean? I don't think there's anything really deep. But like I said, I don't think anyone's really got any problems with Perez. I mean, look, he left the club when we were going absolutely nowhere. He had such a brilliant second half of the season. Then obviously, you know, Rafa left, Bruce came in. We're, we're going nowhere. And, you know, he, you know, he went to Leicester, he's going to be playing European football. So you, you couldn't really blame him, to be fair, for moving. And look, we got good money for him. We got £25 million. For him. We got unbelievable money for him. <laughs> Fantastic money for him. I was in Paris considering. I think we paid about four hundred grand or something from Tenerife to get him. So look, it was, Unbelievable. It's a great bit of business. But we'll get your predictions, Alex. I would love, I'd love to get a result. But I think we'll lose the game 2-1. I think we'll win. I just think we're a different... We're different gravy at St James's Park, from being honest. Look, we've not lost a home game in the Premier League. I know, Cambridge. <laughs> in 2022. And, you know, I think a lot of them will have been took out in that second half in particular against PSV. It's not ideal, the travel and that sort of thing. And I think Leicester are sort of on the beach when it comes to this season. I think, look, they're going to finish ninth. They're not going to get any higher. They're not going to get any lower. Um, so I think we'll I think we'll win 2-1. I fancy Wood to score again, to be honest. And... I think Almiron, actually just a quick one, do we think Almiron's going to start on Sunday? Because I know Fraser come off with an injury, but Eddie Howe did say it's not as bad as we all thought. But Miggy was excellent, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, it was really it was really awkward because like literally 24 hours before, the, 24, 48 hours before the game, um, me, you and Dan slated him for about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like we were like, Miggy, really, you were so nice, your smile's amazing, but you haven't really done anything. And then he comes out and plays at Wolves and we were like, right, okay, yeah, he's going to have to come on because Fraser's gone off with an injury. Looked quite bad, but as Eddie Howe said, it's not as bad. And he was meant. He was unreal. He was the Miguel Amaron we've wanted every single week. And we've had flashes of that. He's another Iose Perez, if you ask me. Yeah. He's had flashes of brilliance, but he's never really been consistent. Um, The problem is with Miggy, we paid 20 million for him. So have we got that 20 million? No. Um, I really just love him. I, I I think he's he's such a bundle of energy. You just want to, you really want to give him a hug, put your arm around him, and go, "Come on, son, please today, just do something, do something cool." And it's his work rate. His work rate is infectious. I love that. I love that from a footballer. Yes, I'd love to see him start. Um, and yeah, play him on that left, play him on that left hand side. Give Maxi the right hand side, and you don't have to do anything when Maxi and Almiron play because Almiron does the work for both of you. I agree. Joe Willock as well. Um, he missed the Wolves game with an injury. Would you expect him to come back into the side? Because, I, I mean, for me, I, I would put him on the bench. I think that midfield three, Shelby, Joe Linton and Bruno as our, as our strongest three. Yeah, there's there, there's no reason to change the midfield up uh, at all. Like if if um, anyhow, names the side after 25 minutes that was on the pitch, I would not be surprised whatsoever. I think, um, much to my annoyance, Emil Kraft was, was excellent against Wolves. We haven't even, haven't even mentioned him. I know we haven't. <laughs> Emil Kraft was phenomenal. I mean, you he was unreal. Like Kiel, but to be honest, I think Kraft's been excellent. I think he's t- learned a lot from Kieran Trippier, mind. I think that'll have helped uh, massively. Because he's not, like, look, he's not the fastest, but his defensive work in particular on last Friday was, was top, top draw, I thought. Yeah, he was, he was brilliant, um, which annoys me. Completely. Should be happy. <laughs> I, I, I'm really happy we've got a right back that can defend aside from Kieran Trippier. But like, it's a real craft. Like he's just. Oh, never mind. It's just a real craft. Um, but yeah, no, he was brilliant as well. So keep the side as uh, much as the same. Um, that partnership of, of Sharon Dan Burn is working absolutely marvelous. Um, and 
Uh, yeah, I believe you want to move on to um, Jamal anyway, but uh, I'll let you make yeah. that transition. You know, we just mentioned Kieran Trippier there, and uh, there's been a lot of questions regarding the club captaincy for next season. And obviously, Kieran Trippier, I think he's a larger-than-life character in the dressing room. And it's, it's begging the question now, obviously, with Jamal Lascelles not in the side anymore. Might even be moved on in the summer. I don't think he will, for the record. I think he, I think he will be at the club, because I think he's a, he's a big player in the dressing room. Look, he's been club captain for a long, long time, but... Obviously, with his lack of game time and Trippier's involvement, who do we think the club captain should be for next season? Because for me, it would be Trippier as captain, and the vice captaincy would be would be John Joe Shelby. Yeah, of that, you're hundred percent fully. Yeah, hundred percent. Either either John Joe or Callum Wilson. Even Fabian Shaw's up for question as well. I mean, he's another one that's had the armband this season. Probably for me, it would be it would be Callum. Uh, I'd rather it give Callum Wilson. Um, but I know John Joe Shelby's well liked in that dressing room. I I really do. I know he's he's much adored. The thing about captains is it's really awkward because unless Jamal Lascelles gets sold, I don't think Kieran Trippier would feel comfortable taking it. Yeah, I know. Um, right, because he is that guy. He is that really nice guy that would be like, no, it's it's Jamal's until Jamal gives it up, um, and it would be up to Jamal Lascelles, and that is a massive pride moment to have that done. And I can't see Eddie Howe wanting to take the captaincy off him unless he has that conversation with him and says, look, you're not going to be my first choice centre-backs next season. Um, we either move you on or do whatever. And it will be up to Jamal because we're in a kind of similar situation to Arsenal were earlier in the season with Granit Xhaka, yeah. um, where he came out of the side. So we had to be doctored the captain captain's armband. They gave it to Aubameyang and Aubameyang came out the side. So he had to be doctored the armband as well. Um so I don't even know who their captain is at the moment. Don't even care. Um, we're on a Newcastle United podcast, but Jamal Lascelles has gone through exactly the same thing as Granit Xhaka. Arguably, he's he's a lot more liked by Newcastle fans than um, Xhaka is Arsenal fans because Arsenal fans hate Granit Xhaka, and many Newcastle fans just think Jamal's a little bit useless. I I love the kid. Don't get me wrong. He's mint, but um, yeah. Fabian Shaw and Dan Burner are better centre backs than you, so unfortunately, uh, you're a different centre back. You're an all rounder, but um, Eddie Howe likes his specialty men, doesn't he? Um, so if you're not playing, can you be a captain? My my answer is probably no, which is why Kieran Trippier should probably get the captain's armband. When you think as well, maybe for Lascelles' confidence, maybe it would be better for him just to like move the captaincy on. Like you said there, I don't think Eddie Howe would turn around to Jamal Lascelles and go, I'm taking the captaincy off you. I don't think Kieran Trippier would accept it, to be fair. It was a bit like the number nine shirt next like last season with Joe Linton and, and Wilson. Obviously, you know, Joe was struggling with confidence and Wilson didn't want to come in and take the number nine off him straight away. Look, he took 13, that sort of thing. So it might be something like that, but I think maybe the cells would give it up. It's, it's it's hard to call, really, but I think I think we'll be seeing Kieran Trippier with the armband a lot next season, regardless of whether he's vice-captain or, the, you know, the first-team captain. I, I don't think it's, it's that much of an issue, to be honest, but good to see we're both in agreement with... Uh, Trippier and, and Shelby's captain and, and vice. I know you mentioned Wilson, but I think there's a lot of questions regarding his his what he's going to be doing next season in terms of his place in the team, because I think they're going to go all out for a striker next season, but we'll leave that for another podcast. Alex, thanks for coming on. Shame we couldn't Not get problem. down on this week, but he will be back next week. I think we'll probably come on after the Crystal Palace game, so two games will have passed after um, this episode. Hopefully, six out of six points. That'll be fantastic. But this has been Time Warp, brought to you by Vavil UK, in association with the Sports Social Network. And from us two lads, thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you all next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.